We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Advantage. And you mentioned the free throws with Devin Booker. Look, he might be the most ethical scorer in the NBA. All right, Sam, the Suns won and are now down 1-2 to the Denver Nuggets. And I think maybe we just saw the greatest scoring performance by a Phoenix Suns player in the NBA playoffs ever. How many many times have we debated (laughs) just over the past few weeks? Is this the best Devin Booker game ever? Is this the best Devin (laughs) Booker performance ever? It's non-stop with this guy right now man and look it's 1 15 in the morning here on the east coast i yeah. shouldn't scream on this podcast because like out of courtesy to my neighbors <laughs> walls walls are thin in this building uh i've heard some stuff booker is uh he, he's the level that he's playing at right now he is the greatest phoenix son of all time yeah there's no doubt about it yeah he completely carried the Suns through the first half in this game. As And, you know, we'll talk about Durant, too. He Who he, was also great, yeah. <laughs> he rebounded from a really rough start and had a terrific game as well in many respects. But this, I, I saw you tweet, Devin Booker is the Phoenix Suns. And it's yeah. just the best way to put it right now because yeah. he truly is. He's on the court in terms of his production. Yes. He is the best player on the court for the Phoenix Suns through eight or nine games of the playoffs, whatever it's been. He's also the heart and soul of this team. Yes. He means the most to the fan base. He is everything that embodies the Phoenix Suns organization right now. It's all Devin Booker. I, we we appreciate Kevin Durant. We love that Kevin Durant's here. We need Kevin Durant to yeah. win this series. Yeah. Or, or even Just to win, to win this a game. game. Yeah. Uh, but it, also, it starts with Devin Booker. Let's read it out. 47 points, six rebounds, nine assists, three steals, one block, on 20 for 25 shooting, did not shoot a free throw until the Denver Nuggets intentionally fouled him with like nine seconds left in the game. 
47, 6, and 9, plus 3 steals, 1 block. Just to repeat it, on 20 for 25 shooting. A game where the Suns won by 7. And they needed Devin Booker to be this good to win. And that's what it took. And he did it. I just... You can't ask for more from him. You literally can't. It's impossible. It's one of the best scoring games that's ever been played in the NBA playoffs. Especially by a guard. It's one of the best. It's one of the best scoring runs in NBA history. Like the the perspective that people need to have about what we're witnessing right now and why it's so frustrating that in spite of all this, the Suns are still down in this series. Now, obviously, they could come back, but I also retweeted tonight the fact that Booker is averaging thirty five points per game, over thirty five points per game through the first eight games of the playoffs. The only other guard who's or the only other player, I believe, who's done that. Maybe it was guard. I need to recheck check the tweet, but it was Michael Jordan. The run that he's having right now is MJ-esque. It's 2006 Wade-esque. It's 2009 Kobe-esque. It's in the pantheon. If he continues, and he needs to continue, and the Suns need, would need to get out of this series and you know, ideally propel him all the way, but it could launch him into the pantheon of great shooting guards in NBA history. That's the sort of stuff of like myth and legend, the sort of mythical run that we're talking about with, with Devin Booker right now. There aren't too many examples of this production happening, at least not at a sustained level in NBA history. It just yeah. doesn't happen that often. And just to clarify on that stat, Devin Booker becomes the first player player since Michael Jordan in 1992 to average 35-plus points what it was. per game over the first eight games of a postseason. Yeah, because I was thinking to myself, like, ah, Wilt's probably done it like seven times if you go back far enough. But yeah, right. first player first player in 31 years. That's pretty good. It's insane. I mean, like I said, you can't, you cannot ask for more from somebody uh, like Devin Booker. The types of shots he was hitting, the consistency of his ability to create out of just Durant's gravity or even just in isolation or in pick and rolls, getting to the rim, manipulating the defense with his eyes, finding guys with the right passes, do, just making timely shots time and time again, not just in this game, but every single game that the Suns have won in the playoffs so far. He's playing, you know, I said it in the middle of the game, I think he's playing, he's the best player in the NBA currently in the postseason. And ethical you know. hoops. Yeah. Ethical no free hoops. throws. No real free throws in this game. Zero. No, but I mean, I mean, you heard J- we both tweeted about this Redick, too. Yeah. JJ Reddick, he quoted the thing. Can we I don't want to tip our cap <clears throat> to ourselves too much, but yeah. we deserve a little bit of credit for that, right? Well, he follows both of us. And uh and I've been doing that bit and you've been doing that bit for I mean, since Kevin Durant was traded to the Suns, we do it basically every game. These <laughs> we the, make some sort of ethical yeah. hoops joke. Specifically about Devin Booker. I know he's seen it. I and I think he's even liked some of those tweets. Uh so yeah, I think we can tip our caps a little a little bit uh, on that. Just a little one. bit. <laughs> just just a little bit. This is the advantage of our, you know, of our like minuscule influence. Not a ton of influence, but a little <laughs> bit of influence that we it can maybe get. It breaks into the the only good corner of ESPN at times. We can yes. get a little <laughs> bit of Booker or or just Suns in general, but in this case, Booker propaganda out there, and maybe we can kind of infiltrate the national sphere with a little bit of that. And then look at look at JJ go out on the on the broadcast and spread that gospel. Props, props to him. Look, Devin Booker is the main story of this game 
but it was a fascinating game throughout a fun game lots of changes by monty williams but i think we should talk about the one thing that changed in this game for the the, the most important thing that changed in this game now this isn't to say that kevin durant didn't just play a game where he missed 19 shots because he did but he finished the game with 39 points on 31 field goal attempts overall and up up until Devin Booker was intentionally fouled at the end of the game was the only Suns player to shoot a free throw and in that time he shot 14 for 16 from the free throw line and here's here's the reality of Kevin Durant when he's good he can't be guarded and that means he's going to be fouled some of those shots were definitely forced and that's going <laughs> to result in him missing some shots but here's sure. the thing the Suns have to do it you have to do it at some point if the offense is if the shot clock's winding down and the offense is not getting anything good out of it, that means that these guys in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are going to force some shots. The fact that everything is coming really easy right now to Devin Booker is a credit to Devin Booker. It's also a credit to Kevin Durant because of the attention that he draws. The fact that if Kevin Durant has it at the right wing and Devin Booker's at the left wing and they spread the floor far enough, especially if they have shooters in, which was a big change in this game, they bring the guy off of Devin Booker to Kevin Durant and that means Devin Booker catches it both feet on the move going towards the rim with defense backpedaling or fully retreating back to him so Kevin yep. Durant's influence on this game is, is just huge but the fact that he was able to put 39 points on the board the Suns can't look they just don't have the offense right now they, they can't nobody else in this game besides Kevin Durant and Devin Booker even scored in double digits you know the next highest scorers scored seven points in campaign and TJ Warren so they have <clears> to <throat> And that's why score like this to win. That's why projecting forward in this series remains such a scary thing. And, you know, there are still things that need to change. But yeah, with KD, it's just a, regarding the whole force shots thing. We need to continue to see force shots from yeah. both of those guys. Point blank. A bad shot for KD is a better option than a quote unquote good shot an open shot for just about anyone else on our team right now. And the the way that he was able, like you were saying, the way he was able to play off of Booker's gravity and then get, you know, a foot into the paint, maybe rise over the top, get fouled on the arm or continue all the way to the rim. Just his insistence on forcing and driving the ball when no one else on this team can really do it. Booker's done a good job of driving, doesn't always get the calls, um, but Katie's insistence. Our, our entire offense revolved around it at a certain point in the game. It thrived on it, and, and yeah, he's it's just huge. 39 points yeah. in a game where where really it didn't feel like, at least it, he really picked up in the second half, didn't feel like in the first half he was making too much of an impact just in terms of shot making. He definitely did a lot of other stuff. I think we could talk about his playmaking in this game too. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he finished with 39 points at all is wild. 39 points. Nine rebounds, eight assists, and two blocks. And here's the thing. We we probably can talk more about it on this podcast in general. You know, I blame myself for this, of course. His defense has been great, you know, every single game of the playoffs so far. Durant has played great defense. He plays help defense at the rim. He contests shots. He gets up into guys. Look, there are times, yes, when he leaves Aaron Gordon open, but that is by design. And I think outside of game one, you could see why <laughs> for for that. Uh, so sometimes maybe it looks like he's not contesting like he should, but that is by design. That's part of the game plan, and he knows the game plan. So even when he struggled, like the last game was a bad game for Kevin Durant. It was just a bad game as far as shooting. But even in that game, he played good defense. And one of the only players, I think, that played good defense on the Suns in game two. And he's just, you, you could see it in the box score 
you know, if you just look at plus minus and you look, it's not a, it's not a perfect stat, but when you play 43 <laughs> minutes, when you play 43 minutes, you can look at the plus minus pretty, pretty well, <laughs> you know, like you're just sort of dominating the game at that point. And he, out of the starting lineup, he was plus 11. He had the highest plus minus in the game. We're, um, we're going to have to have a plus minus conversation. Oh yeah. In this one about like just everyone on on the bench <laughs> in this game Look, and i think there's there's some of those you're gonna buy into and there's some you won't i'm just curious to get no, your we thoughts. have to no we i'm just curious i'm just curious to get your thoughts on it but we'll we'll get there in a minute um let's say okay the biggest story of this game is devin booker is devin booker no doubt the Not second close. biggest story in this game is kevin durant the yeah third, ar- ar- arguably yeah the third biggest story of this game was that in a game where if the Suns lost, their season is effectively over, their number one overall pick, Max Player, played the worst defense he's played in the postseason. Some of the worst defense I've seen him play since his rookie year and was benched, benched for a player on his rookie contract in Jock Landale who didn't even play every game that he was available for this season. And just got completely outworked by the Australian in Jock Landale, who was vital, vital for this game. DeAndre Ayton was awful. Absolutely horrible in the most important game the Suns have played in their season. Mm -hmm. And there's no excuses um, for that. No excuses. I think everyone knows this stat, but if the Suns had lost this game... Teams never come back from from down 0-3 in NBA history. It's happened a few times to force a game seven, but no one's ever come down from 0-3, at least not yet. We might not see it for, I mean, it could happen this year, could happen next year, it might not happen for another 50 years. Um, for Aiton to come out with that effort, <laughs> you were cracking me up, man. I can't even lie because I, I've known, we've both shared our frustrations with Aiton for a while, but I think we've always made it a point to to honor the good aspects of his game when it shines through as well. There's just been so little of that in this particular playoff run, and I think we finally, like, you cracked tonight in a way that I haven't seen before. I, I'm, um, so, I'm done. This is the I, I don't. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's the Suns. We're looking at a team, and look, the Suns won this game, so I don't want to dwell on this too much. But it, look, it's going to be the most important conversation in the offseason. So we're going to have to talk about it a lot at some point. Let's just but be this real. This is the Suns' best to this point of their existence. This is the Suns' best chance at a championship if DeAndre Ayton plays to what people seem to believe his potential is. But if he does not, they will not make it out of the second round. And that is the difference between what he can bring to this team and what he can't. And look, I can make the case. I can make the case that DeAndre Ayton is the most damaging player that has played in the postseason this season just because of the amount of minutes he's played and how damaging he has been to Um, the Suns' defense in the postseason so far. A lot of advanced stats, you know, buy into them if you want, but they would actually agree with you. That because he's played more minutes, I mean, Landry Shamit <laughs> continues to be yeah. oftentimes a disaster. But because Aiton has played so many more minutes, uh, yeah, effectively he's been a negative this playoff run. He got and benched for Jock Landale. 
who was great, by the way. I let's love say Jock it, Landale. Let's say I love it again. Jock Landale. Um, I love but him. doesn't doesn't this just demonstrate where we are in the NBA economy of the big man market is so fucking stupid and and maybe like well okay so first of all I think we've known or or we've had a hint at an idea all along but now we know for sure I mean if the Suns don't get out of this round Aiton's gone and Chris Paul they're gone they're just gone I think there's a small chance Chris Paul is still here I think they zero should, I zero think, chance Aiton's here I think they should both be gone yes I agree moving yeah. off of both of them in a single summer might be difficult but if yeah. they lose this round that's what the stakes are and if you were thinking about how to build a team going forward around Kevin Durant and Devin Booker as your core, uh, yeah, it's it's tempting not to look around the league and look at kind of these other strategies, these other team-building philosophies, a team like Golden State that's been able to shit out championships for the past decade, <laughs> just using Kevon Looney as this incredible rebounding and, and defensive big man who they don't have to pay all that much. And that's kind of the blueprint when you watch what a guy like Jock Landale did tonight of you can get championship caliber production out of big men without paying them $30 million a year. And that's not to say there aren't great big men who make $30 million a year, but also going back a year ago or, or a year and a half ago when he signed the extension, uh, isn't this kind of what our worry was all along when we were talking about does he deserve it in the first place? This and even, is even, so, even for, far, so far beyond the worst that I could imagine. I mean, I it's, could, I could, I could have imagined. Worse. No, I imagine it being this bad. In the I worst case scenario, when when he signed the yes. contract. Okay, a oh, fair. Okay, I think if you're talking about worst case scenarios, fair. I did not picture that he would be on a team with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and still have zero effort. You know, you would think that that would be motivating enough. You would think, and it's just not. You trade him. You trade him. Regardless of what happens, you could win a championship. You trade him. It's not because of him. He is not the reason that they're winning games. And he's he's probably one of the main reasons they're losing games. So you trade him. <laughs> it's done. We're done with him. We don't really have to talk much more about him. Even if he has a good game, the levels of which the bar has been so far lowered for him that when he has a good game, now we have to have this conversation about how great he was after five, six, seven bad games. <laughs> I'm done with that. We, we don't have to do that anymore either. We have to drop that at some point. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
Twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. There were a lot of changes by Monty Williams in this game, and I'll just point out just the minutes played for players so far. And I think, um, shout out to you for saying this was Terrence Ross's legacy game. Who, look, he played 14 minutes. He did play. Was only one for six from the three-point line. Had a uh, a couple others, or one other shot from mid-range, but was plus eight in those minutes. Plus eight. Buy into the single game plus minus. Look, I, I just love the fact. I just it's, love it's the it. fact. This game, it matches the eye test. Here's what I'm going to say. Um, the other guy we're going to need to talk about is TJ Warren. Let's not do it yet. I I'll, I predicted that this was going to be the Terrence Ross game. I did not call the TJ Warren thing, no, so I'm not no. I'm not going to take credit for that cuz I didn't call that. Uh, yeah. Terrence Ross did not have the best game. Even so, I love the fact that he got up there and played 14 minutes and took six threes. Uh he 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 just he did exactly what he's paid to do, which is get up shots. Absolutely. And there was and they no had to guard him. They were chasing him. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. It's that's all I that's all I was asking for. Let's read the minutes. I want to read them because I think it's just fascinating to really think about this. Kevin Durant, 43. Devin Booker, 42 minutes. Josh Okogie, only 10 minutes. DeAndre in only 26 minutes. Cameron Payne, 30. Cameron Payne started in this game, injured Chris Paul. Torrey Craig, only three minutes. That's And then TJ yeah. Warren, 26. Jock Landale, 22 incredible minutes. Landry Shamit, 25 inexplicable minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Terrence Ross, 14 okay, but minutes. How about, wait, how about some credit to Monty Williams again? I think we did this after last game too, or maybe I'm just becoming Monty's biggest defender out of all the, I don't know, I don't listen to the other Suns pods enough to know. <laughs> but um, again, people ask for adjustments, right? Like this is the man that everyone wants fired whenever there's a turnover, if you look at Twitter right now. Like <laughs> people ask for more adjustments after game two. And, you know, Monty gave that quote to reporters saying like, oh, like maybe I don't know exactly what he played, but uh, what what he said, but maybe TJ will play. Maybe Terrence Ross will play. And I don't know. We were hypothesizing that they would play, but we didn't actually know. Right. And then he comes out and I think he does way more than we were expecting. I was expecting some Terrence Ross minutes, a few TJ Warren minutes, like a stint of TJ Warren. I wasn't expecting Tory Craig who was so awesome against the Clippers and has played so much and has arguably been the Suns' fourth best player in the playoffs to play three minutes in favor of T.J. Warren. Uh, and then that turned out to be the right move. Yes, Landry Shamit still played 25 minutes, and yes, that's inexplicable. But <laughs> I really not, think... Yeah. I mean, the, look at the adjustments that Monty has made. Give the man some credit. He, he, went, he pushed further in that direction. He was far less conservative than than he normally has this tendency of being. And I just, I again, I think he deserves credit for that. 
Let's, I mean, uh, he closed with Jock Landale. Yeah, I mean that's, and not only that, he said in the in the interview that Jock Landale was playing better than DeAndre in, in the middle of the game. He said it on national TV. And that's how you know he's really pissed, by the way, because they've always, especially in the aftermath of the meltdown game seven against the Mavs and, and Ayton's meltdown in that game, not wanting to return, like being benched in that game. They've always kind of handled him with kid gloves. And like Monty's always as, had this As very, has everyone, by the way. <laughs> including yeah, people I know. who talk about him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but Monty's always had this very I don't know upstanding Christian attitude about like I'm calling you up I'm not calling you out that he fucking called him out in the national yeah. TV interview in the third yeah. quarter when has he ever done that when has he ever called out a player by name and said yeah this guy's playing good this guy's playing bad yeah. Jock's bringing the force Aiton is not bringing the force and honestly I love it because what else is there left to do with Aiton at this point yeah, I mean, at a certain point, I wouldn't even be mad if they just sent him home. Because <laughs> if he starts out the next game as bad as this game, you have to bench him again. And then what do you do with him? Do you, you know, you Ben Simmons him. You basically don't play him at all if he's going to be that bad because he's that damaging. Um, how do you feel about campaigns starting? So that was the first thing. I, and I thought, I thought there was a chance they, in fact, I will say this. I thought campaign was not going to start. I thought they were going to lean into Devin Booker and Kevin Durant being the only ball handlers on the floor and try to figure things out with possibly a shooter, Damian Lee, who didn't play, by the way, um, Terrence Ross, TJ Warren, one of those guys, Ter- or Torrey Craig even, who you can quote-unquote shooter, not really, though. Yeah. Um, instead, they put campaign in, and they started the game really, really running and gunning, and I thought it was great. <laughs> campaign played really well. I didn't expect I it to happen. I think the, Monty did the right thing by not necessarily fully leaning on campaign to play all of the high leverage minutes of the game because pain can be a little shoot yourself in the foot kind of player <laughs> at times. And uh, but I thought starting him was probably even though he didn't you know in the box score have the greatest game. I thought starting him was the right choice. I thought he did a good job in the minutes he played. No, I, th- I think that's the perfect way to put it, honestly, because he, he was the tone setter and precisely the right tone setter that the Suns needed, the right energy that they needed out of the gate in this one without necessarily needing him in high leverage minutes. <laughs> that's kind of where we're at with campaign. I, I, I he's, he's earned back some of the trust for Monty, but not all of it yet. And I think understandably so. He's still coming off the back injury. He hasn't looked that good in the past couple, in the couple games previous to this one and even in this one he still shot just one for five from deep three for nine overall I didn't necessarily expect him to start either but just 30 seconds into the game and watching the way the Suns kind of punch Denver in the face in like the first three or four minutes of the first quarter with Cam just gunning throwing the ball up ahead to to various guys um KD uh, he, he found a bunch of guys book in the first quarter I was like okay yeah I get it this is what we need so and I it made he sense. I thought he did a good job. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think it, it had some... Jokic was still really good in this game because Jokic is just really good. But I think even putting some pressure on Jokic to try and run early helped them out, particularly in the second quarter when the Suns put 38 points on the Denver Nuggets. Jokic was just a little bit tired in that second quarter, came back and had a great second half. Um, but I, I do think that that running a little bit just caught them on their heels at the beginning of the game. The other thing I thought was really great decision ma- uh, making by Monty Williams was Josh Kogi played 10 minutes. Look, this game started, Murray was just killing him. You know, Josh Kogi wasn't doing what he needed to do against Murray. So he said, all right, fine. If Josh Kogi is not going to do it, they're not guarding him anyway. 
They still kind of guard Landry Shamit. They're going to guard Terrence Ross. They're going to guard TJ Warren. And those guys can get cooked by <laughs> Jamal Murray too. So why not put guys that could potentially score some points on the Denver Nuggets instead of playing Josh Okoge and, and just sort of letting that grave be dug by Jamal Murray. And uh, and that's what he did. And then, then we can have this conversation about the bench guys. TJ Warren, 26 minutes, two huge huge buckets in this game to help close it out ethical you know, buckets by the ethical way ethical buckets yeah <laughs> and then the other two guys are Landry Shaman and, and Terrence Ross I I know that it's frustrating to watch Landry Shaman and I don't know if they're going to continue to playing him and I think he works as he really does he runs around he tries on defense his arms are short he's not very tall he's not going to contest guys even when he's running really hard but he makes things as difficult as possible for Jamal Murray with his frame and his ability to do that. And he was still minus 10. Like, you know, I don't know what to do about Landry Shamit. Do you cut him and then try to uh, fill those minutes with Damian Lee? Do you just not play? They played five guys off the bench, but Torrey Craig really doesn't count. Do you just not play one of those guys and extend TJ Warren and Terrence Ross's minutes? I, I just don't really see a way out of Landry Shamit minutes here until Chris Paul's healthy again. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I think he needs to play a stint or two. Like maybe he gets ten minutes, like a Kogi did. Um, <clears throat> in the average game, I'd like to think a Kogi strings together a better defensive performance on Murray, and as a result, you don't have to play as much Shamit. But I also understand that it's just so much of Landry's offensive impact, quote unquote, is all theoretical, and it's just how long do we have to wait for any of it to be realized? I mean, he he can't yeah. shoot and he can't finish, and it just well, pisses me off. And, you know, they pulled a Kogi early in the big stretch when the Nuggets got back into it. They were just putting Landry Shamit and DeAndre in and picking rolls over and over and over again, and they couldn't defend a thing. And, you know, Shamit was working his ass off. Aiton was getting blown by by anybody who could run, and it just doesn't work when both of those guys are in it. A Kogi tries a little bit harder, and I still think it was the right choice to take him out just because offensively the Suns have to find ways to get it going. I do wonder if the Suns start with a Kogi again or if this is the end. I, I recommended the Suns don't start with a Kogi in game two. I still feel that it would be relatively wise to not continue to start Josh Kogi if this is what's going to happen. His but, defensive impact is not quite what we need it to be. He's not getting rebounds. He's not getting deflections. He's not really, you know, Jamal Murray was struggling in game two, and I understand that, but I still think offensively, if you can spread the Nuggets out far enough, you have the pieces to, to win games as long as Booker and Durant are remarkable. Yeah, that's that's fine and all, but um, if that means Landry becomes the fifth starter, then I'm not into yeah. it. I mean, you I know? get that too, because who else would it be? And that's the real trouble is like it almost feels like it has to be Shamit, and I don't think that's the right choice. You know, maybe Terrence Ross, but then we haven't seen how they could potentially pick that apart yet with Jokic on the floor. Most of his minutes, I would say, was without him. Also, and Terrence then, Ross kind of feels like he kind of needs to be on the floor in the couple of minutes, the the bridge minutes, like late first, yeah. uh, early yeah. second quarter, where you only have one of Booker, KD on the floor. And I don't know if he can, you can afford to have him starting with those two guys as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Tory would probably be that guy. How crazy, how crazy is it that the three guys that closed the game outside of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant were all bench guys in this game? Because the three guys were Landry Shamit, uh, TJ Warren, and Jock Landale. I feel That's like we didn't even address... Credit to Monty. If, 
a very important question, which is should Jock just start game four? I, I mean, don't think I don't think Monty has the balls, but there's no way. I mean, there's just no way. And if he does do it, this is what I mean. You can't play in at all then. You can't. Yeah, but but like do you, so do, that I, means I mean, you're you, running you a center out. lineup of, of Landale and Biz. That's what sure. you're agreeing to. Sure, but you said you said some big words, some hefty words earlier with Aiton is the biggest negative on this team. Okay, so yeah. doesn't that mean let's just play 48 minutes of Jock and Biz and if they're replacement level players, so to speak, then wouldn't that be better? Yes, <laughs> I think it would be better. I think the question would be, is it better for the long term of this team to completely completely nerf any confidence that DeAndre and has left because look he's awful right now is there a chance he's going to have a good game at some point in the future I doubt it I don't, I don't I just, know there's it, a lot yeah. of evidence that he's I don't not know going if it to. would be better yeah would it be funny <laughs> <laughs> kind of <laughs> it'd be chaotic <laughs> uh, speaking of which game four <clears throat> playback yes let's do it Okay. Sunday playback game. I think that would be a really fun one to do it. And if they started Jock Landale, things will get wild in that chat, but there's just no way. Maybe Josh Okogie uh, doesn't start. You know, I, it seems like Tory Craig losing his minutes. That was a surprise to me, by the way. Um, but if you're trying to get minutes for TJ Warren, I guess it makes sense. You know, who else are you gonna, is he going to take those minutes from? It has to be some combination of Okogie and Craig in order for TJ Warren to get more minutes. I think we could see another game where TJ plays minutes and the thing about TJ that really works and we talked about this without Chris Paul lean into offense you have to lean into offense and the thing about TJ is look he can shoot threes one for two on the same possession same pass from Devin Booker he made one missed one but also they close out on him he can do something right he has something he can do after that closeout is it pretty never <laughs> basically never pretty but does he have a move he can go to yeah it's a little short awkward floater that goes in a good 45 to 50 percent of the time and if that helps that helps and, and, and i think we could see more tj warren minutes jock landill over biz we've been asking for that since game one of round one of the playoffs and it's nice to see jock landill so at the very least if he doesn't start i think we could see 25 minutes from jock landill in in game uh game four and we'll see what, yeah. what that means for the Suns at that point I mean Jock just continues to put in so much of the work not just in terms of getting the offensive rebounds which obviously he's great at tonight but um, he's constantly sealing in the non-Jokic minutes they're going small obviously so he, he's trying to seal inside and work those mismatches and even on a night where I feel like the Suns continue to miss him a lot of the time and they're not necessarily getting the ball in those spots just the fact that he's an option there and he needs to be guarded and, and you know he's there Versus Biz, who's just a complete non-factor on offense. So it, it just makes a lot of sense to continue <clears throat> with the jock minutes. You yeah. need the threat of his offense on this team right now. You need to scrounge up offense wherever you can get it. Yeah, and we said it after game one because the Nuggets go to no center minutes, right? And you have in in game one, the Suns tried eight, and in those minutes, it didn't go very well. It was okay. Um, in game two, they just kind of tried Biz again. And then switched over to Jock in the second half. And I think you could just see Jock just makes more sense when teams try to play small. It just has better touch around the rim than Biz by a thousand. And uh, works a lot harder than DeAndre Ayton right now by by a lot as well. So I think we could see a lot more minutes from him. Any other changes you could see coming up or you think they can stick to this game plan relatively well uh, going forward? Man, I think they can stick to this game plan relatively well. I think the Suns continue to have the right idea with how they're guarding Nikola Jokic 
we didn't even really talk about him in this game. An 37, insane stat line. 30, 17, and 17 is an insane stat line. Um, and, and you know what? Honestly, like, Jamal Murray played pretty well. Michael Porter Jr. low-key caught a body with KD uh, yeah, in, yeah. The, in the final Not super low-key, to be honest. Luckily, um, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people are going to remember that one because they never do when you lose the game, but that was, yeah, that's their, that was a pretty I mean, insane if, dunk. Yeah. It's like Cameron um, Johnson dunking but, on P.J. Tucker. So it was kind of a weird game for Denver, too, in the sense that like those three guys all scored points and they all did pretty well, which was very much not the case in Game 2. Uh, the difference was, finally, Aaron Gordon couldn't make a three. Um, KCP was a complete non-factor on offense, yeah. so they just weren't KCP, able to get any offense out of those guys. KCP is going to be seeing Devin Booker in his sleep for the rest of his life. <laughs> Every time he closes his eyes, he's going to be seeing Devin Booker's back as he sinks a jumper uh, because he could not guard him. There's nothing. I mean, they have no one at this point, I think, for Devin Booker. It's tough to say they need to stick to the game plan that required Devin Booker to score 47 and Kevin Durant to score 39 to win. But there was a chance the Suns were going to get swept in this series. Let's just be frank. And uh, and look, they didn't let it happen. And or shout even out to both of them. Even a, a gentleman sweep where you yeah. go down 0-3 and everyone knows it's over and maybe you win one. Like that's that's equally demoralizing. This is a real series now. It's a real series. Yeah, and, and um, if they if the Suns finally get some more scoring from other guys in game four, they could be going back to Denver tied 2-2, and then who knows what happens at that point. It's a three-game series, and we're going to be there to watch game four. Join us on playback. We're looking forward to watching that one with you guys. Sam and I have been talking about that one for a few days now. And look, hopefully it's a win. If it's not, it'll be a nice, fun, depressing playback with all of us together in a group therapy session. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And once again, playback and a podcast right after Game 4.